0: You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth Hayes. I'm the assistant pastor for Parish Life and Mission as of recently. Uh, (laughs) Um, I hope that you've been able to join us for one of the events or some of the events of our local missions conference this weekend on the theme of proximity. And if you were with us yesterday for some lectures by our guest speaker, Tim Sorens, or Um, at a movie night last night, which had an awesome turnout, or in Tim's Sunday school class at the 10 o'clock hour, then you know that we've been talking a lot about Jesus's command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors as yourself. And we've been talking a lot about how getting proximate or moving towards our neighbors is the first step in loving them. So now I know it's probably not huge groundbreaking news to you that Christians are called to love their neighbors. But you might notice that a lot of non-Christians around you are engaged in making their city a better place. And you might wonder... What's so Christian about this idea of loving our neighbors? Isn't this just common decency? Or maybe following the really profound sermon series on Ecclesiastes that we've just finished, you might be thinking, what's even the point of loving our neighbors if everything is meaningless? So we are going to begin to consider some of these questions this morning. I want to talk quickly about why we are called to move towards our neighbors in love, what we have to offer them as Christians, and how we aim to do that here at Third. And then Corey's going to invite up Tim Sorens, our guest speaker, and they're going to have a short conversation about some specific ways that we can walk this out. So I will pray for us, and then I'll read our scripture for the morning. Lord, would you open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. As the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. This is John 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, last spring, I traveled with a group of people from Third and from the Christian Arabic church, and we all went to Cairo, Egypt, to visit our sister church there. And while we were there, we visited some of the pyramids, which were just really amazing to see in person. felt like I had to sort of dredge up all of my ancient history from fourth grade, which is really the last time I learned about that. And um, when we were at the pyramids... They're on one of the pyramids. They have recently opened up this tunnel shaft that goes down into the burial room and it is open for tourists. So um, they offered the chance for us to go down into this burial room and they did tell us that we shouldn't go if we were claustrophobic, but I figured if it's open for tourists, then it must be fine, and so we start going down into this tunnel shaft, and it was no wider than this, and pretty low ceilings, Um, so you're kind of walking like this most of the way, and um, we got about five steps down, and my husband turned around and went back, which was the right choice, and um, you know, we're going down this tunnel shaft. It was Two or 300 yards down. And with each step, we've got these low ceilings. We're crouching down. There are tons of people, two-way traffic in this tiny little um, tunnel. And with each step, it felt like the air got staler and stuffier. And there was just not a single breath of fresh air as we went down. And then when we got down into the bottom of the chamber, the burial chamber... I felt like I was going to suffocate (laughs) because we were buried under so much stone in the middle of this pyramid and there was absolutely no light, no fresh air, because it was a room that was made for death, not for life. The movement from a world of life to a world of death a world bound for death, is part of what John is describing in the verses that we just read. The apostle John opens up his gospel with a poem about the incarnation of Jesus. And in this poem, he paints this really striking picture of Jesus who was with God from the very beginning of time, who was and is God himself, who is the creator of the whole world and everything in it, who isn't just Alive, but as the source of all life and all goodness, who's completely separate from death. That Jesus entered into this world that is created, time bound, that's completely bound by the chains of sin and death. And the immortal creator of all things, all life, chose to become bound by the chains of death. That's what he did. He entered into the hebel of our world, the meaninglessness of our world and became proximate to us. And he didn't just enter into this world as a thing apart from it. He didn't just drive through town with his windows rolled up. He became human. He became a thing that belonged to this world. And in doing so, he took on the darkness of humanity, the chains of sin and death. As Eugene Peterson famously translates John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus became a neighbor. Well, as I said, we've just wrapped up this sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And I wonder um, if anyone can remember what Corey said last week. Remember the sermon was the the end of the matter. So what did he say was the only way that we can face the Hebel of this world, without being destroyed. I'll give you a hint. It was to remember our Creator. Good job. You did much better than the A45. <laughs> <laughs> remember Viktor Frankl. We talked about Viktor Frankl, and he he said after he came out of the concentration camps that the only way to confront the evil of humanity without being destroyed by it is to have a logos. A reason for living that is strong enough and deep enough that this world can't destroy it. So, isn't it interesting then that John calls Jesus the Logos? That's the Greek word that's translated word here. Jesus is, in fact, the only Logos, the only meaning for life that can't be washed away like Hebel in the wind, that can't be just blown away like smoke. And remarkably, John tells us that our logos doesn't just stand out there waiting for us to remember him. He comes to us. He moves towards us. He shows up to remind us who he is. Our logos, our creator, the very ground of our being, the only foundation that can't be shaken, the only meaning of life, that can stand up to the brutality of this world, came into this world and became a part of it. When Jesus became human, he crossed every boundary, every border that could possibly exist. He came to us. He came for us. Jesus' proximity to us, then, is at the very heart of our salvation. So why are we called to move towards our neighbors in love, as Christians specifically, because we've been loved by Jesus, we're called to love just as he did. And he loved us by coming near us, by becoming proximate proximate to us, by being with us. Jesus didn't just say hi if we happened to walk down his street. He didn't just pass through our neighborhood. He left his cozy heavenly suburb, he crossed the railroad tracks and he bought a house in our neighborhood. He became our neighbor. He moved in. He came to us. And so we love because he first loved us. That's our big why. The next question that we're aiming to answer then is what? What do we as Christians in particular have to offer as we move towards our neighbors in love? In the face of a world that is absolutely marred by evil and chaos and absurdity and tragedy and disappointment world that so often feels like we're just building a sandcastle every day, knowing that at the end of the day, the tide's just going to wash it away. It's tempting to just give up on this world, isn't it? When that's the reality that we live in. It's tempting to think that, you know, what's the point of working to move towards my neighbors and love anyway? What is the point? Well, I want to contend that as Christians, we have something unique to offer our neighbors. Our neighbors who are experiencing that same hebel that we are, right there with us. And as we move towards our neighbors in love, we have something that no other neighborhood do-gooder can offer them. Because unlike the gods of the world's religions, we don't just pray to a God who stands off at a distance knowing that he's powerful and just hoping that he'll use his power for us instead of against us. What we have is a God whose power is expressed through his proximity, through his coming near to us. Jesus came to us not just to take us out of the world of Hebel, but to be with us in it. What we have in Jesus is a God who joins us in the midst of our suffering, a God, a shepherd who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus' power in our life is experienced just as much in what he can do for us as it is in how he is with us. The Christian God is not only powerful, but also proximate. And it's through becoming proximate to us that Jesus showed us his power most profoundly because when he came near to us, he took on the chains that bind us so that he could break them. And so when we move towards our neighbors in love, we have something incredibly transformative to offer them. It's the hope that they too can have the companionship of their creator, their logos, Jesus Christ himself to be with them. And so when when we go out in love, when we move towards our neighbors in love, we take with us the greatest comfort that this world has to offer. That's God with us. So let's start what what do we offer as Christians. Finally, let's ask how we aim to do this here at 3rd. Well, you might be tired of us talking about this at this point, but <laughs> you know that it is the very our very desire to follow Jesus as he moves out into the neighborhood in love and to bring with us the gift of his proximity that motivates our entire parish model here at church. You know, we could be a church that chose to just be all about making our programs here in the building, our Sunday morning service so attractive so cool and hip that people just wanna come here to us. But we believe that God calls us to be his church everywhere that we go, wherever we live, every day of the week. So our vision is to do as Jesus did. God didn't wait for us to come to him, he came to us. In the same way, each week we gather here on Sundays as the church, and then we scatter as the church into our parishes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, throughout the week. We focus on getting proximate to the people that God loves, the people that he's put near to us, and joining God in the work that he's already doing there. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, Jesus says to us. And I know that this can be a significant change for a lot of church people. Uh, I know that you've heard us talk about it here at Third a Lot, but it's still a really different way to think about church. Our mission isn't to get people out there to come in here. It's to get the people in here out there. And just like Jesus moved down the shaft of that bur- into that burial room that is this world, he became bound by the chains of sin and death. We aim to take our neighbor's problems and joys on as our own. We aim to make the problems and joys of our parishes our own problems and joys. And we offer to our neighbors this hope and comfort that we have in the midst of the hebel of this world, the proximity of Jesus. That's exactly what God has done for us by becoming proximate to us in Jesus. And so now it's what God calls us to do as we move towards our neighbors. And you know, the truth is, I don't know what God is doing in your neighborhood. I don't know what he's up to there. So I can't tell you exactly what this is gonna look like. But I do know that God is calling each of us because it's his calling for the whole church to follow him as he goes out into the world, to notice where he's at work and to join him there. So I am going to call up Corey and Tim, and they're going to talk a little bit more about what it looks like to start paying attention to the redemptive work that God is doing right in our neighborhoods.
1: Hi, guys. This is my friend, Tim. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Sorens. Um, He lives in Chicago with his wife and three boys. And Tim is the founder and current director of the Parish Collective, which is its mission is to grow, network, and global movement of Christians. We're reimagining what it means to be the church in, with, and for the neighborhood. So the whole vision of uh, Tim's ministry is about exactly what Elizabeth was just talking about, how we as a church can be in, with, and for our neighbors. So I'd love to talk with you a little bit about that, Tim. Um, and 1st we'd love to just maybe talk a little bit about the problem, yeah. which would be kind of the disconnection from our neighbors. I think increasingly in the American context, um, there are fewer and fewer, I guess what you would call neighborhood churches. Churches mm-hmm. increasingly have, maybe with the ubiquity of the automobile and interstates and travel, they're, we're just we're just not really... Have a sense of call to our actual neighbors. Yeah. Why is that? And what do we lose when we lose our connection with our actual neighbors as a church?
2: Well, I promise I'll get to that. Okay. But first, I have to say, it is such a joy to be with y'all here. Um, I have had such an incredible weekend, in large part because of when I saw. in talking with Corey and just seeing the parish strategy of this incredible church, I just feel like y'all are up to some incredible things and it's such a gift to be here. So why is it hard? Uh, Honestly, I should tell y'all, I don't have an advanced degree like Corey, but I did uh, get a Master of Divinity, which I'm still paying for. (laughs) And um, it's because I'm still paying for it that sometimes I like to try and use somewhat fancy theological words. It just makes me feel better about it. Um, And one of those fancy words, which is really, really important, that I'm sure you've talked about before here, is kenosis. Do you all know what that means? It's the idea that we, Jesus talked about it like we find ourselves by giving ourselves away. Uh, Easier to say than do, actually. And so part of why I think we haven't focused as much on our neighbors and neighborhoods is because it's exactly what Elizabeth just said earlier. I don't know if you, she kind of slipped this in a little bit. This is kind of powerful and profound and maybe from a church perspective, revolutionary. She said, our mission is not to get people to come here so much as for us to go out. In other words, our task is to give ourselves away on behalf of what God is doing. Friends, that is not easy to do. You know it's easier to do? Make an awesome church service and celebrate ourselves. That is, it's not easy, but it's easier to do than to join in God's massive mission in the world and organize against, a lot of the stories that you've said, like push against us from a, an integrated life together like Mobility, like the automobile, like the built environment, like, honestly, like, I can't be the only one that has this supercomputer in my pocket, which is constantly wanting my attention. Am I the only one? I mean, this is actually part of what makes it difficult to love our neighbors. And yet, that is our mission.
1: What it, What is the vision of Parish Collective, your vision personally, for the church in the United States? What, what's your vision for how we reconnect with our actual neighbors?
2: Well, um... The mission of the organization of the Parish Collective, which is a network of churches honestly like this all over the country from a whole host of denominations and ethnicities and backgrounds and neighborhoods and cities. Our mission is simply this, to connect people to be the church in our neighborhoods. And that word connect is really crucial. And that word be, like not just on Sunday, but how do we wrestle with what it means to be followers of Jesus and actually collectively become seen publicly, visibly as the church in our neighborhoods. Like that's a long-term vision, but the implications of it I think are incredible because if we could be the church in our everyday lives and friends, there is no person, no relationship, honestly, no system that we can't join in God's holy, restoring, renewing work. So the vision is to join in what God's already up to with our everyday lives and do it as a team.
1: So can you get a little concrete for us? Like, what have you, how have you seen churches do this? How, how are churches getting involved to be the church in their actual neighborhoods?
2: Um, one, I, Elizabeth was telling me yesterday, and actually we were mentioning this uh, at lunch. Uh, this is just one story from a long ways away. I lived for 20 years in Seattle. I've just moved to Chicago. But uh, there's a church that probably most of you haven't heard of called Overlake Church, which was like a large um, church. has a huge auditorium. Some of you might be familiar with kind of like the secret sensitive model that very much and very specifically was trying to get people to come into the service. And um, like you all, through a lot of prayer and discernment and hard conversations, they decided, no, we wanna be not just like the cool show in town and create kind of religious goods and services. Our task is to be the church. And so what they've done is they've had a similar idea. They've said, look it, um, why don't we map out where people are? We're going to organize ourselves around parishes. And basically what they've done is they've created systems and trainings and environments over the last number of years and now have like, I think, 13 or 14, essentially what they consider like parish groups in the kind of broader Seattle. And what's happening now is, and I think some of this is happening here too, when they, they still meet on Sundays, they still have a big gathering. But so many of them are coming with stories of what's been happening other week. They're coming with the pain and promise of their neighbors. A lot of them are like being invited into the lives of their neighbors. A lot of them are actually now being invited to like. Mary and Barry and being chaplains and pastors at the neighborhood level. And what's happening is they're feeling more and more momentum and integration between their whole lives, and what Sunday is meant for. So I think it's pretty inspiring. I think actually what y'all are up to is a sneak peek of the future of the church, honestly.
1: One of the things that you've talked a lot about this weekend is how this must be God's work, not Mm -hmm. our work. It's not our mission. It's God's mission. Yes, We can't get ahead of God. We need to pay attention to what God is doing. Yes, And you talk in your book about paying attention to what God is doing in your own neighborhood. Yeah. How can, how can we do that? How do we pay attention to what God is up to where we live? Uh, one way that we can get at, I
2: think, is we can you know, use scripture and even church history and our own intuition to think through, uh, I mean, it's actually an interesting question we might not ask that often, it's like, what does God want? What is God doing? And if we can say that at a big level, God is, as we've said even here today, God is renewing and restoring every square inch of creation. I think the question for us is to say, well, what does that new life, what does that resurrection implication mean for my neighborhood? So that might mean, um, how am I paying attention in a different way? Um, What relationships feel like they're on the brink and need health and wholeness? Who's lonely that could maybe be invited into something? Also, what amazing things are happening that I can celebrate. Like, this is absolutely wonderful, and I can actually go out of my way and thank people for how they're making our neighborhood better.
1: So, uh, lastly, we'd love just your advice to our church. Um, There's, you know, several hundred people here today, and... Very few of us, I think, just live in Regency Mall. I don't think hardly any, anyone here does. <laughs> That's good, that'd does. be awkward. We, we, um, we all live all over the city. Third is not a neighborhood church, we're mm-hmm. a regional church. Yep. So what advice would you give to a church like ours that indeed we are going back today to neighborhoods all over our city? How can we, a scattered church, be the church in our neighborhoods? Well,
2: I I gotta tell you that when, when I see you all beautiful people, uh, It's such a gift to be gathered here together in one building, but I think the great power is the imagination to think through. You all actually, I would argue, are a network of smaller churches that are embedded in your neighborhoods throughout the week. I think that's actually who you are. You know, in First Corinthians, when Paul says, you are Christ's church, you must never forget that. That's who you are. That's actually the the case, whether we like it or not. And so I think wrestling through and looking at that map downstairs and praying through what does it mean for us to be essentially a network of smaller communities, parish groups, parish churches, however you think about it, who then get to gather every Sunday to share the celebrations of what your life has been like together, to lament what has gone wrong, to lean in to what you feel like God is inviting you into, Honestly, I feel like that is the future of the church. And I think you all here at 3rd are early to it. I think that you, you all, I'm hoping and praying, part of why I'm here is I think that this country and around the world, we need more examples like this that are wrestling through. Most churches are not deeply embedded neighborhood churches. Most of us are scattered for a whole host of reasons that we already talked about. So if we can take the long game perspective and think through, yeah, what could we do to create environments and knit our lives together to be the church in our neighborhoods, friends, I think our neighbors are longing for that. And I think you all are up to something, you beautiful, at third.
1: Thank you, Tim. If you want to hear more from Tim, um, we're having a lunch right after the service. It's free. Just come. And Tim will be especially sharing about his new book that he just wrote that I read that is awesome. Hope you can read it. And um, come hear more and ask him your questions. So thank you, Tim, so much for being here. Really appreciate it.